You're listening to the LMC Radio Network, broadcasting out of Forestville, California, on the World Wide Web at LuckyMojo.com. Give me a go, no, go for launch. Booster. Go. Retro. Go. Vital. We go fly. Guidance. Guidance, go. Surgeon. Go flight. Ecom. We're go flight. GNC. We're go. Telmuse. Go. Control. Go flight. Procedures. Go. Inco. Go. FAO. We are go. Network. Go. Recovery. Go. Capcom. We're go flight. Launch control. This is Houston. We are go for launch. Professor Porterfield do not necessarily reflect the views of the sponsors or their affiliates. Texas, where the stars at night are big and bright, it's the Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, here to tell it like it was and how it is to help school you so no one can fool you, brought to you by the good folks at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in beautiful Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. So now, without further ado, here's Professor Porterfield. Good evening. To you one and all, I am Professor Charles Porterfield, and hoodoo is my business. Welcome once again to the Now You Know Show. Oh yes, this is episode 98. We've had more than 98 episodes, but by official count, we are but two episodes away from our 100th episode it will be a special one but we've got a good show for you tonight so sit tight and bring those delicate shell-shaped ears right up to your speakers your headphones your plug-ins and all of that this is gonna be a good one before we go much further 
I would like to say two things. First of all, thank you. Thank you for all the kind wishes, uh, uh, telegrams, uh, flowers, uh, bouquets, uh, uh, baskets of muffins, etc. in regards to my bum left leg. It's on the mend. Don't worry. All is well. I'm getting around better and better day by day, but I thank you so much for all your kind thoughts indeed. Second of all, the thing I would like to clear up is this. Look, man, this whole thing about Miss Aida's shoes was a bat was for a class. All right. This was a pre-rehearsed uh, scheduled thing that she and I were absolutely in cahoots about. OK, this is I got nothing against shoes, her shoes, your shoes, anybody's shoes. All right. Y'all, this 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 is not reality. This is not reality. This was demonstration is what it was. It was a demonstration. All right. So enough of that. We have a lot to talk about tonight. We're going to be going back to a subject that we covered, oh, more than a year ago uh, in our pontification. And we're going to be revisiting it uh, from a different direction and an important message so I hope you'll stay tuned for the pontification. Then a little later on in the What We Do segment of the show, we're going to be talking about gatherings and festivals and uh, symposiums and all sorts of things like that. And then in the kitchen tonight, we're going to be talking about rows. That's right, rows and how beautiful they are. But before we do any of that, Let's go immediately to your friend and mine, the newscaster's newscaster, Patchy Fogg, who is waiting in the wings in the LMC radio newsroom. Take it away, Patchy. Good evening. This is Philip Fogg reading the news. Today is Thursday, May 18th, the 138th day of 2017. There are 34 days until summer begins and 227 days left in the year. The 19th and 20th will be auspicious days to can fruits and vegetables, mow to slow growth, castrate farm animals, wean, potty train, brew beer, and then get married. The 18th and 20th will be fine for days for buying crops. This is a good time to set strawberries during these days. And they are also good days for transplanting as well as favorable days for planting late root crops. 19th and 20th will be the best days for morning fishing. Today's highlight in history comes to us from 1896 when the Supreme Court in Pilsey versus Ferguson, endorsed the separate but equal concept of racial segregation, a concept renounced 58 years later in Brown versus Brown Board of Education of Topeka. Also on this date, in 1642, the Canadian city of Montreal was founded by French colonists. In 1765, about one-fourth of 
Montreal was destroyed by fire. In 1897, a public reading of Bram Stoker's new horror novel, Dracula, was staged in London. In 1926, evangelist Amy Simple McPherson vanished while visiting a beach in Venice, California. McPherson reappeared more than a month later, saying she'd escaped after being kidnapped and held for ransom, an account that was greeted with skepticism. In 1933, President Franklin Delano Roosevelt signed a measure creating the Tennessee Valley Authority. In 1944, during World War II, Allied forces occupied Monte Cassino in Italy after a four-month struggle with Axis troops. In 1953, Jacqueline Cochran became the first woman to break the sound barrier as she piloted a Canadair F-86 Sabre jet over Rogers Dry Lake, California. In 1967, Tennessee Governor Buford Ellington signed a measure repealing the law against teaching evolution that was used to prosecute John T. Scopes in 1925. In 1973, Harvard Law Professor Archibald Cox was appointed Watergate Special Prosecutor by U.S. Attorney General Elliot Richardson. In 1980, the Mount St. Helens volcano in Washington state exploded, leaving 57 people dead or missing. And in 1991, Helen Sharman became the first Briton to rocket into space as she flew aboard a Soviet Soyuz spacecraft with two cosmonauts on an eight-day mission to the Mir space station. LMC birthday greetings go out today to actor Bill Macy, who is 95. Actress Priscilla Pointer is 93. Hall of Fame sportscaster and good friend Jack Whitaker is 93. Actor Robert Morse is 86. Bluegrass singer-musician Rodney Dillard of the Dillards is 75. Baseball Hall of Famer Reggie Jackson is 71. Rock singer Mark Mothersbaugh of Devo is 67, country singer George Strait 65, and comedian writer Tina Fey 47. We also wish to send out air birthday greetings to Miss Catherine Ironwood, whose birthday was on the 12th, and Conjurman Ali, whose birthday was on the 16th. A good birthday to them all. Our thought for the day comes from Fred Astaire, American dancer and actor, born 1899, died 1987, who said, the hardest job kids face today is learning good manners without seeing any. This has been the news from the LMC Radio Newsroom, and we now turn you over to Professor Porterfield and the Lucky Number. Lucky number, oh, dreaming of lucky numbers, hoping that those lucky numbers yeah. will show for me. Numbers only show for you and me. Superstition, or even make me suspicious. Table with thirteen dishes, it will make me. Hey, that's 
that farming, yeah? Yeah, man. Well, okay, yeah. Put my trust in good for dust. Cause you know some may bring you a seven. Or maybe a lucky eleven. Oh, that's easy in heaven. Lucky number for me, yeah. Oh, yes, and you need not just trust in goofer dust as it rise by the Nicholas Brothers because we have the lucky numbers and card for you here each and every week. And as every week, they are brought to you from ProfessorPorterfield.com. Why not stop on by there and take a look? And they are 8, 26, 29, and 39. Once again, those lucky numbers are 8, 13, 15, 26, 29, and 39. And I have to tell you that it is a particularly lucky group of numbers this week. This week's lucky three-digit numbers are 119. That's 119. 583. That's 583. And 969. That's 969. I have to tell you that right now, 119 is very hot, but later on in the week, 969, I've got a very, very good feeling about. The card of the week is the Two of Diamonds, a contract, a profitable agreement. Be careful what you spend. This is a good week to enter into new business arrangements, but be sure to have a contract clearly made up. Move forward this week with agreements you may have been holding back on. However, this week you should avoid needless spending and point-of-purchase buying. Remember, our week runs Thursday to Thursday, so check in with the Now You Know Show to get the numbers and card when they first come out. And if you hit, remember where you get. Till then, good luck to you all. Up next... Back from her whirlwind tour of Northern California, our own Miss Loretta from the First and Second Baptist Church of Quimby, Texas, with Cooking with Miss Loretta. Sweet Loretta Martin thought she was a woman, but she was another man. All the girls around her say she's got it coming, but she gets it while she can.
Let me tell you something. It was so enjoyable. I had some of the best macaroni and cheese I have ever had. And I just cannot praise these ladies enough. You all are holding up the ship by making sure that a hundred plus people get fed. When I was there, I thought of a dish my mom taught me a long time ago, and I've never brought it up on the show because I thought that it was too unique a taste for you all. But I said, no, I'm going to go ahead and do it. Uh, So get ready. I know I'm going to hear all sorts of things about this, and I'll probably get all sorts of letters, but here we go. This is Crock-Pot festival sausage and that's what we used to call it we used to call it festival sausage and it serves eight to ten and uh i thought of it because i was at the festival the ingredients you're going to need to make this are two pounds of kielbasa or two pounds of smoked sausage sliced one 20 ounce can of pineapple chunks in juice And you're going to drain that juice off and hold it in reserve. One cup of served pineapple juice. One-fourth a cup of lemon juice. And three tablespoons of cornstarch. That's right, three tablespoons of cornstarch. You're also going to need one-half a cup of brown sugar, one-fourth a teaspoon of salt, one large green pepper, cut into chunks, one large onion cut into chunks, and then, I'm not joking, one half a cup of maraschino cherries drained. And if you just hate maraschino cherries, I know some people do, you can replace these with regular cherries, okay? So, but when my mama gave us this recipe, it was with maraschino cherries. Now, this is how you're going to cook it. Combine your juices your brown sugar and cornstarch, and boil them until thick, and then stir in in your salt. Then spray the inside of your crock pot with a non-stick cooking spray, all right? Once you've done that, you're going to put your sausage, your fruit, and your vegetables in the crock pot. Add the juice mixture to it and cook it on low for four hours. Now, right before it's done, you're going to want to go and make yourself a little rice. You can make white rice or brown rice. Either one is fine. And fluff up your rice. Once it's done, you're going to cook that on your stove. And then you will serve this over rice in bowls. And it is just delicious. It's got a really good sausage flavor. It's got onions. It's got green peppers in it. It's got pineapple juice and brown sugar and cherries. And it is delicious. And so there you go. That's Festival Sausage for the Crock-Pot. And I bring it to you tonight in honor of this year's Hoodoo Heritage, I was so happy to be at and treated so very well, so warmly, and with such kindness. And I just want to say hi to Miss Cat. Hi, darling. It was sure was good getting to see you in person. And we just had a blast. 
And so that's it for me. Until next week, bye-bye. And I turn you back over now to Professor Porterfield and the pontification. Wow. That that sounds good. I mean, I like maraschino cherries. I don't care if other people don't. I like them. And pineapple. Pineapple got pineapple chunks. And that's like kind of like a luau in a crock pot kind of thing there. That's delicious. Thank you. Up next. The Professor's Pontification, this week, Reality and Unreality. That's right. Got to find your way through the two of them, because there ain't nothing like a real thing. Welcome back 
to the Professors of Pontification. Tonight, we're revisiting a topic somewhat that we've talked about before, almost a year ago. And a year ago plus, we talked about dealing with mental illness, primarily uh, with clients who are mentally ill or who you become aware as someone working for them, that they are mentally ill and the responsibility you have to them. And we talked about that, and we're going to talk about it in a little bit more specific sense tonight. As you know, uh, as you have heard me say before, we have serious responsibilities to our clients for a broad topic, a broad set of topics, their health, their mental well-being, their spiritual well-being, our honesty, uh, how we deal with them economically, etc. And tonight, because this series of pontifications that we're in right now is about uh, interacting with community, we're going to talk about a little uh, finer point, reality and unreality. There are clients who have mental illness. Let's just, let's just put that out there. Let's just have that said. There are clients who come to us who are mentally ill. It does not serve us well to uh, laugh at them or to mock them or to disparage them. And when we do, it speaks volumes about us. It tells a tale about us. Talks about a lack of concern and care and empathy and understanding on our part. It talks about a certain prejudice that our society holds. And the prejudice that our society holds, that I'm specifically speaking of tonight, is a favoring, if you will, of physical illness over mental illness. Because we don't really normally uh, chuckle our clients who have cancer, right? You know, guy calls, he's got throat cancer. We don't normally go, oh, this cancer guy. All right. But sometimes we do that about clients with mental illness, and we do it for a variety of reasons. Our society has taught us that. We ourselves are nervous. We don't know how to deal with it. It makes us a little uncomfortable. And sometimes the shit they say is just out of this world, man. I mean, it is so disconnected from reality that it's hard not to kind of meet the shock of it with some degree of humor. But what I want to talk about here specifically is reality and unreality. It is a quagmire. It's a quagmire, okay? And let me tell you why I say that. The structure of, quote, sanity in our society is really fucking arbitrary, all right. It's a set of societal standards primarily come up by guys in white lab coats on college grants. You know, I mean, they sit around, they say this, that and the other thing. They change it around. Don't forget that homosexuality in 69 was considered a form of insanity. And you could be locked up for it, man. I mean, literally, you could be locked up. All right. I have. Many dear and and good and abiding friends who were out at the Hoodoo Heritage Festival, and and some of those of you listening to me right now have friends who are gay and lesbian, and in our lifetimes, your friends, your friends, 
who you talk to regularly, who you hang with, who you're happy and proud to call brother and sister, would have been taken away by the men in the little white coats, locked up, given all sorts of strange treatments, some of them rather horrific, to take out, to get rid of their sexual orientation because they were insane. So this definition of what sanity and insanity is is very, very fluid. And then I would remind you that this is hoodoo, okay, before anybody... But what is it going to do with hoodoo? Oh, hi, you're back. How is that? Did you just get that piece of C's candy on your own? No, this already gave it to me. Okay. Well, why don't you go out? Go, no, don't just sit there and stare at me. Go, go, go on out. Go play outside the booth. Okay. It's how do we not? Do we, can we not get a lock on the door around here? I mean, we're a major radio network. Can we not afford just any kind? Of, like, I put a chair under the. He comes in here constantly. He's got chocolate all over him. He's going to get it on the... Anyway, what it has to do with hoodoo is this. There are cultural, deeply embedded, deeply rooted, deeply historic cultural beliefs inside hoodoo that sound like mental illness to people who are not a part of the culture. All right? I covered that before, but I'm going to cover it again because this is a very important topic. There are beliefs in hoodoo, conjure, and root work that sound like madness to those not involved in the culture. But it's not. These people aren't mentally ill. They're not mad. They're not insane. They're not mentally disturbed. They're a part of their culture. And if you look at any culture, if you look at any religion, if you look at any set of people, they have personal beliefs that an outsider is going to come in and go, well, these people are nuts. These people are crazy because we all know that science and Christianity is the way to go. I mean, there are people involved in mental health who have no problem talking to people who are deeply Christian. None. I mean, none. Okay? They don't, they don't lock them up and say, oh, you believe in Christianity. You, know, you believe that a virgin was impregnated by a ghost. Oh, that's fine, right? But if somebody comes in and says, my neighbor poisoned me through my feet. My neighbor's stealing my hair. My, this girl's got my drawers buried in her backyard. I can't get away from her. I love her, but I hate her. But she got, she got something on me, and I, and I keep coming back. There, there's something crawling around in my legs or inside my stomach. I can feel it. I got nothing but bad luck. My mind wanders. Whenever the sun goes down, I feel the need to rise up and wander. And then when and I can't get any sleep, and I wander the streets. I don't even know where I'm going. And then when the sun starts to come back, I feel better. I can go home, but it's draining me. Boom! You're mentally ill. Let's review that one more time. A virgin was impregnated by a ghost. Free pass. Okay. Mind-wandering, live things in you, foot-track magic, love-tying, cursing, jinxing, nuts. This is bullshit, okay? Seriously, hold up. This is some serious bullshit.
bullshit. This is the nth degree of I don't understand your culture. I don't want to understand your culture. I'm not going to understand your culture. And I'm going to help eliminate your culture by locking people the fuck up and running electric current through their brains or fucking chemically restraining them and destroying their lives until you all get smart enough to not tell people like me in white lab coats that fucking shit. And so it goes away. And what happens is there's this huge bias. People say shit like, oh, well, you just don't see that much poison in through the feet anymore. Okay, maybe you do, or maybe, just fucking maybe, you're not hearing it. Maybe you're not hearing it be reported because people have learned that when they say that shit, they get tagged for being crazy. Okay? Maybe people don't talk to you. Maybe uh, first tribe members, Native Americans, don't say to you anymore, talk about seeing visions or talking to this uh, spirit or being approached by this animal or having bad luck come on them because they've gone into a forbidden or taboo piece of land or structure or place because they know that you're going to lock them up if they say that shit. Because listen, I'm here to tell you As a guy in the business, they're still talking to me about it. I mean, they're still talking to me about it. I walk through something, my legs swell up. I got something. I feel something crawling around in my stomach. My mind wanders at night, but not in the day. Okay, they're still talking to me about it because they know I'm not going to go, oh, you need to be locked the fuck up. So let's bring this all the way back around to reality and unreality. Some Weisenheimer right now is going to say, oh, well, Press Porterfield, sounds like you're saying that whatever the fuck people come to me, I'm supposed to believe them. I didn't say that at all. But I am saying this. You must first determine what you believe and what you don't believe before you can make an assessment of other people's reality or other people's Unreality. I have known people who got involved in hoodoo, and there was a piece of work. And they went to go do this piece of work. And this piece of work, whatever it may be, has some sort of an immediate result. I'm not talking about something that's, uh, you know, reported back, okay, or anecdotal. I'm talking about you do this and you hear, you, you do this thing and you hear three knocks come back okay you do your little piece of work and then you hear back or you do this and uh, a fire starts or a candle burns or something okay you do this and the wind picks up you do this and the birds still or the birds come closer you do this and an animal calms or an animal becomes uh, upset you do whatever and then there is an immediate observable response and when they do it They freak the fuck out when it happens. They freak out when the fire starts, when the pain goes away, when the three knocks come, when the birds still, when the rooster crows, okay, when the cow sits down, okay, and when they do that, they freak out. This tells me something about them. This, and oh, and let me finish. And multiple times out of ten, okay, they then stop meddling with hoodoo at all, and they run. They run from it. This tells me that they never believed to begin with. This was always a game to them. This was always a show. 
This was always hoodoo cosplay. Because when they went to go do the real thing and the real thing happened, they go, ah! And then they ran away. Okay? And there's a secondary problem there. The secondary problem is that some of those people have never been in that position, and so what they're carrying around is a secret set of beliefs. And the secret set of beliefs is that their clients are superstitious and silly, and therefore when they hear things like this, they don't believe it at all. So that's one problem. The other problem is believing everything, people who believe absolutely everything, who have no discernment between what's being reported, and when we are starting to get into indicators of mental illness. All right? In other words, it just, it, this problem exists on both ends. On both ends. Okay? And we, we keep coming back to that in the Now You Know show, don't we? We keep coming back to these extremes on either end of the stick being the problem. All right? If you believe every solid single thing that a client brings you, you've started to step into unreality too. Because some of these people are going to tell you things about uh, uh, voices trying to control their minds that come out of radios or television sets or cell phones or, or, un, uh, uh, or uh, 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 electronic equipment that's not even turned on. I mean, the TV's been plugged in, right? And there are voices coming out of it. And you all have not and, – and let me back off that you all. Some people, some people have not paired themselves to give good service and have not prepared themselves in honesty. So they don't know to ask simple questions like, what age are you? What age are you? So they can vaguely figure out, am I talking to somebody who's starting to have schizophrenic onset? Am I dealing with somebody who's dealing with late schizophrenic onset? They, you don't. People don't know to ask questions about. People don't want to, want to ask questions about uh, chemical abuse. Are you drinking? Are you taking pills? Were you taking meds? Are you not taking meds? They don't want to get into that shit with their client. So they either believe everything or they believe nothing. And both of those are very dangerous paths. When you believe everything, you may be really harming this person because they may need to get. Serious, professional, medical, mental help, all right, and not need you to play along with them. And if you're playing along with them and getting a buck, that's almost, that's almost wicked, man. Not believing anything they say, again, why are you practicing hoodoo? If they come to you and they tell you that their neighbor down the street – who they've known for 40 years and been fighting with it 40 years, has laid out powders, and they've stepped through it, and it's poisoned them through their feet, and they can tell you exactly what it looks like, exactly what it smells like, sounds like it had sulfur in it to you, turned, you know, maybe they wore, wore a, 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 a silver dime on their ankle and it turned the dime black as pitch, you know, so you know, oh, yeah, there was sulfur in that, this, that, and the other thing. You've got to start saying to yourself, self, Maybe they've actually gotten poison through their feet. Maybe this is actually a spiritual attack by this neighbor who they've been fighting for for years and years and years. But on the other hand, if they start saying to you, uh, you know, uh, the, they can make you hear voices, can't they? They can. I, I know they can make you hear voices. Do they do something with a candle, don't they? I, I think I hear voices. The, the voices 
you've got to at least prepare yourself to ask a simple question. Do you hear the voices outside of you, or do you hear the voices inside? Are these voices outside, you're hearing them with your ears, or are these voices inside, you're hearing them with your mind? You see what I'm saying? If you don't even know to ask that, how can you begin to do this? Now, we're not medical professionals. We're not psychotherapists. We're not psychologists. We're not here to diagnose. We're not here to treat. But we are, to some extent, spiritual EMTs. We are, to some extent, in the place, and we've placed ourselves in that place, of intersecting people who have problems. So we have to at least be aware of what's going on. And just as you would be very responsible if someone came to you and they were had a broken bone that was sticking out of their arm or was bleeding out of their orifices or had a 116-degree fever, you would be well-schooled enough, I would hope, to send them to the goddamn emergency room. You have to school yourself a little bit in this form of illness to know what to do with them. It does no good to play along with their unreality or to dismiss what might be reality. And it is indicative, to me at least, of a lack of responsibility. If you don't understand what culturally goes on, and you're going to have to learn about multiple cultures, not just Southern, African-American, United States culture. You're going to have to learn because if you're going to take clients and you're going to accept clients from other cultures, you're going to have to know something about their culture to identify what spiritual situation may be going on with them or not. And when you are aware that they are, at least to the best of your assessment, mentally ill, you're going to have to find judicious, sagacious, and gentle ways to try to guide them to help. I mean, you don't have to. I guess you can just hang the fuck up on them and go, oh, you're crazy, click, you know. But then you haven't done any good by them. Some of them won't listen to you. You can't expect that you're going to be able to help all of them because, well, they're mentally ill. By the same token, you're going to get clients who obviously, you know, think they're cursed, but they've got diabetes. You know, I'm tired all the time. I'm thirsty. They, you know, they're overweight. Uh, I can't, you know, I'm having trouble. I got urinate all the time, and it's because somebody's cursed me. No, it's probably because you're diabetic, and you have to find a way to get them to go to a doctor. A medical doctor, because part of your job is helping them. All right? Again, you can just abandon them, but you're the one that put your shingle out. You're the one that said, come on to me. All right? And if you're going to have them come on to you, then you've got to up your skills. And Paul had some, said something very important just now. He said, being able to detect that another needs a doctor doesn't need a certification. And that's absolutely true. But you better get used to it. And you better get used to not playing along. All right? You better get used to taking a firm hold and saying, well, you know, because some of these people are going to be so earnest. Just absolutely. See, let me just clue you in real quick. Not all mental illness immediately sounds like mental illness. 
All right. If every person who was mentally ill was right, I, 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 the bed, but the rats crawling, it, it, I, I don't know where the rats are. Then, man, we'd spot those. Boom. Okay. It'd be easy. Some of these people are absolutely, well, how do I want to put this? They sound lucid. Okay. They're able to compose normal sentences with, you know, noun, verb, adjective, adverb, all that. They're able to sit and explain to what's going on to them. Let me put this to you another way. I have had uh, more than my share of experience with people who have one form of dementia or another, whether it was Alzheimer's or whatever, both within my family and outside of my family. All right? And let me tell you something about someone who's experiencing dementia. When the brain can no longer tell you why something is, the brain tries to fill in. So in other words, if you honestly you, know, you can't find, a, oh, I don't know, something you think you own, a radio. You know you had a radio. You know exactly what that radio looked like. In fact, you did, in fact, own that radio. But you owned that radio, oh, I don't know, 10, 15, 20 years ago, all right? And that radio is long gone, but you're now suffering from dementia, and you don't remember that radio going away. You know exactly where that radio sat in your house. You have very fond memories about that radio, but the piece of information that's gone now is when you got rid of that radio, broke, you sold it, you gave it to somebody you liked. The brain, which is not mush, says, well, the radio is missing. Why would the radio be missing? So you look for the radio. You can't find the radio. So the brain says the next logical thing, the radio has been taken. That's not insanity. That's logic. Okay? That's what's still working in the brain going, what the fuck is going on? Okay, um, it must have been taken. And you hear this story time and time again about people with dementia talking about how they're being robbed from. Okay? About how people are, are stealing from them. But the people aren't stealing from them. The stuff's gone. And yet, if we ignored every person with dementia that said that someone was stolen from them, then all we're doing is creating an arena in which certain caregivers, certain paid caregivers could get away with theft. You have to verify. Oh, yeah, okay, Grandpa gave that radio away 40 years ago. We know that, so the, the thing about the theft, we don't need to worry. But you have to be sure because, wait a minute, maybe Grandpa had a radio, and now you're even going, where the hell did it go? See what I'm saying? Do you get what I'm trying to lay out to you? Sometimes mental illness, the, the action of it, what you're hearing as an outsider, okay, is their – brain trying to make sense of it because they're not idiots they're not children okay they're people with an illness and so they say things and you have to go why are they saying that all right well they're saying that because their brain trying to make some sense out of it they're giving sometimes people get aid they have uh, something going on biologically with them. They get aid in the form of uh, medicine or change in lifestyle, and boom, they're completely normal again. Okay, so it's not a matter of, you know, oh, let's just write all these people off. Okay, 
But you must be careful about getting into the unreality with them because their brain is trying to make sense of it. And some of these people can come up with very convincing stories. Why? Because they needed them, right? I mean, they want to know what the fuck's going on with them. So they came up with some very convincing story. And initially it may sound to you like logic. Initially you may go, holy shit, yeah, I can see what, wow, wow, that's a big, you know. And before you know it, you're worried about the broadcasts from Venus as well. Now, I went a little far there. Obviously, you're not going to be worried about, I would hope, the broadcasts from Venus, because that's a pretty way out explanation. But they might tell you that someone's persecuting them. They might tell you that somebody's hunting them. They might tell you that someone's after them. Let me give you an example. There are people with dementia who are Holocaust survivors who are being put into care centers where they're being taken absolute – think they're back in the camp because they don't know why they can't go, and they don't know why they're in this place, and they don't know why they have their freedom taken away. See, again, their brain is still kind of functioning, and they're trying to find an, a reason. So suddenly they have this massive – quote, persecution complex. They don't have a persecution complex, man. Somebody persecuted them, and now they think they're back. It's a misjudgment about time and place and space, all right? But this idea that, you know, somebody persecuted them, that's fucking real. They've got a fucking tattoo on their arm to fucking prove it. So this is a quagmire. I mean, I wish I could guide you better through it, but you have to be highly responsible and highly, highly, highly professional when dealing with this matter, okay? There are people who are going to deny their own path. There are people who have uh, uh, sexually transmitted diseases who will never, ever admit that they have that disease as a natural cause. They'll always say they have that disease through a curse, through witchcraft, through the power of someone else. There are people who have normal medical problems who will never believe they have a medical problem. They believe it's a curse, a jinx, a generational problem. There are people who make poor life decisions who are never going to be willing to take responsibility for their poor life decisions. It's a curse. It's a jinx. It's witchcraft. And then there are people who are actually mentally ill, full-blown mental illness, schizophrenic, paranoid, etc., coming up with these ideas to explain what they're experiencing. And so again, you must be careful. You can't, you cannot go either direction. You can't say it's all real, because if it's all real, then you know you're gonna have you're gonna be out trying to do spiritual work for them against the broadcasts from Venus. Okay? And you can't say, it's all bullshit. Anything that doesn't fit my life model of reality, because then, well, once again, now you're trying to change hoodoo. Okay? I mean, you joined hoodoo. Hoodoo didn't join you. And when hoodoo joined, when you joined hoodoo, when you joined hoodoo, it had poisoning through the feet. It had gathering people's hair to cause them distress. It had compelling love work. It had spiritual battle. It had curses. It had jinxes. It had making people's mind wander. And all of that and 
more. All right? And so you have to find your way through it. Am I telling you that every case of live things in you is uh, real? No, of course not. Am I telling you that every case of mind wandering has been done by a spell? No, of course not. But I'm telling you, you cannot come in with a outside perspective and say, well, that, you know, that's just all superstition. Because if you are, and you can, I mean, don't get me wrong, you, America, we're all free to do what we want. But if you do do that, why are you in hoodoo? I mean, if you don't believe to some extent, I mean, think about this a minute. Think about this a minute. People come to you for uh, a remediation of a situation, whether it involves luck or love or money or jobs or or, or trouble with the law, etc. And you do work for them. You light candles. You make uh, uh, various things for them, charms. You uh, help them or teach them how to tack stuff up in their house, around their house. You teach them how to cleanse themselves. If you believe any of that, and I got to tell you, from a scientific model, from a bunch of guys, you know, smoking pipes in white lab coats, living their life off of college grants, okay? Uh, you know, it, 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 that's all bullshit. That's all bullshit. Science would get up in your face about it, okay? And say, oh, this is ridiculous that you can pick up somebody's foot track and affect them at a distance. This is ridiculous that you can scribble something on a, 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 a normal coin, a normal piece of money, uh, write something on a dollar bill, and affect change in the universe. From a scientific model, it's ridiculous. And so if you don't believe that, well, you're a fraud. I mean, you're a fraud. Let's just call it what it is. You're a fucking fraud, okay? Because you're saying, I don't believe any of it. I don't believe in the power of prayer. I don't believe in positive thought. I don't believe in attraction. I don't believe that a lodestone does anything. I don't believe that this is all set dressing. So that means you're just here for the money. But by the same token, if you give up any sort of discernment of reality, all right, if you just say, oh, yeah, man, whatever they bring me, you know, whatever, you know, oh, uh, my my baby is my baby wants me to kill her and she keeps trying to make me kill her. And, and, and I don't know why these spirits are trying to make me kill my baby. She needs immediate medical and psychological attention, well, that child's going to die. That child is going to die. Maybe you or whoever you or whatever, not the individual you, not the, not the Smokey the Bear you, yes, the Bob Dylan you, maybe some of you can be comfortable just hanging up on her and just saying, oh, well, you know, tough luck. Me, I would feel like I had blood on my fucking hands, all right? You have to try to intervene as much as you can be allowed to because they're not going to allow you to completely intervene. Nor is it completely your province to try to diagnose them, but to try to get them help. And we do, don't we? I mean, don't you take a moment with the people that you do court case and law work with to make sure that at least they have some kind of legal representation? Do you have a lawyer? Do you have, don't you ask that? I mean, don't when you're doing love work, don't you at least don't you at least ask? You know, well, does this person even know you exist? Do you know their birthday? I mean, you know what I'm saying? You, you you have to find a middle ground. 
You have to find your place between reality and unreality. At the end of the day, I encourage you so deeply to do this. These people, just like any other of your clients, deserve graciousness, kindness, sensitivity, and most importantly, the height of your professionalism. After all, baby, you got to be real.
that is right. And that was, in fact, Cheryl Lynn with Got to Be Real. And the winner of two, that's right, two pieces of delicious C's famous old-time candy is our own Andrea Weston from Liquid Libations Radio. She got that right. And she sent us out a signal on who it was. What's that signal? Why, that's the LMC Radio Network on the air! The LMC Radio Network, broadcasting around the globe, bringing news, information, education, and entertainment to all. It's the LMC Radio Network in the Vanguard! The LMC Radio Network is a media alliance whose excellent shows include the Lucky Mojo Hooter Rootwork Hour with Catherine Ironwood and Contraman Ollie, Sundays 3 to 4.30, Kendallo's Corner with Kendallo Canvisa, Michael Carell, and Lady A, Mondays 5 to 7, the Crystal Silence League Hour with John St. Germain, Tuesdays 5 to 6. In the Streets with Beverly Smith, Tuesdays 6 to 7. On Sacred Ground with Kai Armand and Paige the Firyu, Wednesdays 3 to 4.30. Fit and Foxy with Madame Nadia and Jaya Danya, Wednesdays 6 to 7. The Now You Know Show with Professor Charles Porterfield, Thursdays 6 to 7.30. The Witch, the Priestess, and the Cauldron with Elvira Love and Phoenix Le Fay, Fridays 6 to 7. And Liquid Libations with Andrea Weston, Saturdays 5 to 7. All time specific, add three hours for Eastern, sponsored by the Lucky Mojo Curio Company in Forestville, California, and online at luckymojo.com. Thank you, O holder of the lamp and chief engineer at the LMC Radio Network, Troll Towelhead, for that update of our shows here on the network each and every week. And I got to tell you, when I was out in California, I got to see almost every single person from our lineup. And one of the fellows I got to see out there, in fact, introduced our own Miss Aida for her wonderful and fantastic and chocolate-filled workshop on crossing and cursing. I'm talking about none other than former host of the KTVT Late Night Spookarama Monster Chiller Horror Theater, your friend and mine, Count Goulash. Welcome, welcome back, boys and girls. It is I. Count Goulash here to talk to you once again about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. Did you know, my friends, that Lucky Mojo is both an online magical shop and a real magical store that you can visit? I have! They carry a full line of handmade spiritual supplies, including occult oils. Incense, powders, candles, herbs, mojo bags, spiritual soaps, books, and spell kits. 
for those who cast magic spells, love spells, money spells, and protection spells in the African-American hoodoo, pagan magic, and other witch visions. <laughs> who am I talking about? I am talking about the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. You can visit them in person. I have done it myself. And come, bring your children and see the amazing railroad with its unusually large growths of fruit. And ask yourself, why and how have these fruits grown so large, larger than the tiny trains that carry them, and under what strange scientific experiments? Was it a meteorite? Was it radiation that caused this giant fruit to happen? I was scared. It was terrifying. As they go around and around and around and around, leading you deeper and deeper into hypnotic sleep, 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 until all you can hear is my voice in your mind, my voice within, talking to you, compelling you, controlling you, to visit the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. But if you can't get there yourself, do not fear, because you can visit them online at www.luckymojo.com and look through hundreds, thousands of pages at amazing, fabulous, wonderful items from all over the world, perhaps all over the cosmos. And browse them in the comfort of your own home beneath the bust of palace that the raven sits on. Make your order and have it sent to you by mail. Or, as I have already told you, go there in person and browse through the aisles. See the beautiful and fantastic and wonderful items for yourself. Pick them up. Put them into a lovely wooden tray. Take them to the counter and pay for them and go home with them. That's right, at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company of 6632 Covey Road, Forestville, California. And remember, tell them Count Goulash sent you. <laughs> every time, every time, there's no way to follow it. There's, there's just no way to follow it. You know, I mean, there's just no way... It's it's a killer, you know? I mean, that's it. We should just let them take the show over. Up next, in the What We Do section, we're going to be talking about gatherings, gatherings, festivals, get-togethers, seminars, the whole nine yards. Why? Because I just got back from California. That's right, the Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Got into San Francisco, and then, baby, I went up into the country and had me a fine time.
Okay. Uh, we had quite a, a contest about this one, and I'm I'm still trying to sort it all out. So let's first announce who it was. That was going up the country by canned heat. It's canned heat, Mom. Sorry. So here we go. Let's see if I've got this right. We got C's Candy for Gabrielle Swain for the title, Troll Talhead for the title, and the group. All these happened at the same time, according to my screen. They all went burp, going up the uh, one for Troll Talhead, two for Troll Talhead for the the song title and the group, uh, one for Candelo Cambisa for the group, and two for Catherine Ironwood for the group and the song. Those all happened simultaneously. You were you were way fast on that one. That was that was a hot, hot, hot competition on that. But it was in fact going up the country by canned heat because I just came back from going up the country. And why did I go up the country? Well, I went up the country to attend the 10th annual 2017 Hoodoo Heritage. Festival. And tonight in the What We Do section, we're going to be talking about festivals and gatherings and organizations and things like that. Now, it may seem like this is uh, counterintuitive. Like, well, this is not something we do. We don't have to do this. Well, hold on a minute. Hear me out. I've talked to you before about how you need to be keeping a book and you need to write this stuff down. And you need to share this stuff with your children, your grandchildren, your nieces, your nephews, and those future generations. Because when you go to go be in the graveyard, to be with the dead and the ancestors, that's it. Your voice will be somewhat silenced in the, uh, you know, in terms of what was the recipe for that mojo bag, at least. And so you need to be passing that along. And one of the ways we pass it along is not just within our family. We pass it along to students, we pass it along to apprentices, and we pass it along to others. And how do we do that? We do that by gathering together. It doesn't have to be a festival. It doesn't have to be a symposium. It can just be three or four people meeting in someone's living room uh, once a week or once a month or three times a year to bring their stuff together and to talk. This is what keeps us alive, doing it and letting it spread. And if you're dealing with your clients correctly, then your clients are already spreading it. Because trust me, when you tell a client, do this, do this thing, say these prayers, wash this way, do this with your house with these product, do this with your physical action, your client writes that down and remembers it because they might need that help again. They don't call you every single time okay, to get a spiritual bath once you've taught them a number of spiritual baths that they may need for a variety of conditions. They go, well, worker so-and-so told me how to do this, and now I do this. And they might do it regularly for the rest of their lives. And then they'll tell their sisters and their brothers, their mothers and their fathers, their children and their grandchildren, when they get in trouble, well, let me tell you what. Name the worker. Miss Cat, Professor Porterfield, Candelo Cambisa, Andrea West, I mean, the list goes on and on and on, told me to do. Okay? Your name lives on. You become a semi-mythical figure. All right? Because these other people may never have any contact with you. Their contact with you is via your client that you have instructed. 
So that's already going on. So now there's the next level, which is coming together, coming together in groups, whatever size that group is would be. I'm not telling you, hey, man, you've got to run 100 and you know, 45, 150 person all together with everybody that's helping and working and everybody that's visiting festival like we do. All right, I'm not saying that. Let's go back to this again. It could just be a group of friends who once a week, once a month, a couple of times a month, a couple of times a year get together and sit down and talk about this. This doesn't have to, you know, and a sound system all the time. Now, me, we got to have a tent and a sound system, okay, because like when the church does it, we got 130-odd people coming out. We got to have a sound system. And by the way, we had a great sound system this year. But I want you to consider this. This is something that is very, very important because it spreads it over a larger area. You can tend plants in your garden. All right. You can just have your little plants in your windowsill, in your little plot of land, in your backyard, in your little allotment, and take care of those little plants. But seeds spread. All right. They spread. They go with the wind, they go with animals, and they pop up. They volunteer in new places. And sometimes that is of great benefit to others and to the ecosystem. So you have to, I would hope, want to help volunteer not the spreading of knowledge, the spreading of knowledge, friendship, people that need it. Let me tell you something. I have been doing the Hoodoo Heritage Festival for, uh, for a long time now. I, I, I started doing the Hoodoo Heritage Festival when it was individual tables, and you had to pick what classes you wanted, and you, you know, we were all running around. I, I've, I've done it. Uh, you know, since we had the you know, giant ass tents and, you know, I've, I've done it since we had a sound system, man, you know, and I'm always that guy in the back there meddling with that sound system uh, because isn't it strange that I, I love sound, uh, but you don't have to do that. All right. I, I like that. I enjoy that. But let me tell you something about those festivals. First of all, yeah, I get to see all my friends and I love that. I love seeing my friends because I get to mostly hear my friends. And although I'm an audiophile, I like to see my friends and hug my friends and eat with my friends and hang out with my friends. But that's not what's significant to me about it. That's gravy. That's just gravy. The chicken fried steak of the Hoodoo Heritage Festival is I get to meet many, 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 many younger people, younger than I, uh, who come from all over the world. And I mean all over the world. That sounds like some sort of big blown up. Man, we have people from Australia. We have people from England that come to this thing. And some of them are young people, and some of them you can watch them light as they receive information. And not just in the workshops and not just in the classes, but from getting to meet other workers. And yeah, sure, there's obviously some, you know, pleasurable ego, I suppose, to it for almost anybody because, well, you're, you know, whatever, you get to be the grand dame, the grand old man, whatever. But to pass on to people, and some of those people go away, and I see them uh, another year and another year, and then when I see them a third or a fourth year, they're a worker, and they're a good worker. 
because they've learned, because they got contacts, because they, because they, because they brought things in. You know what I mean? Because they had access. They had access to knowledge. They had access to information. They had access to education. They had access to entertainment. And they had access to something that's very important in my mind. Living workers. Not a bunch of dead workers in the past. Not some sort of bullshit in movies or on television shows with two brothers driving around in some sort of black Camaro throwing salt on everything. I'm talking about living work and see that those workers are people, not stone edifices, uh, two great feet of which remain in the desert that say, look upon my works in despair, I am Ozymandias. No, real people, real people with normal lives who have families, who have children and grandchildren, who have husbands and wives and spouses and lovers, and, and they get to see them and they get to understand that this is something living, breathing, growing, experiencing. And they get to see dedication, and they say to themselves, I need that dedication, I need that professionalism, I need to know what I'm doing, and they go away and they fucking do it. Now, is this some sort of puff piece that I'm doing for the Hoodoo Heritage Festival? No. Do I love the Hoodoo Heritage Festival? Yeah. But you can do this the fuck too, man. Again, this doesn't have to be a 150-person, 250-person, 500-person festival okay, with a tent. It doesn't have to be held in, you know, the Hotel Le Grand, okay, on the corner of uh, rich and getting richer. It doesn't have to be in an exclusive, you know, bohemian uh, 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 vacation spot with a giant stone owl that you circle around. This can just be you and people you know. You can put out the call in your community and say, you know, once a week, we're going to do this. Once a month, we're going to do this. Once every six months, we're going to do this. You can get a little community center. Hell, you can rent a couple – or not rent, but uh, put your name down to have kept for you a couple of benches under uh, an awning in your local park. You know what I'm saying? And get together and bring out some hot dogs and some hamburgers and you know some cold drinks and sit there and drink your orange pop and fucking have a great time. And talk about hoodoo and conjure and root work. First of all, it's going to be better than anything you're going to learn on the internet because people are face-to-face. There's no mask. There's no mask. Okay, There's no puffed-up uh, uh, internet illusion. There's just you and people. The other reason I'm talking about this in the what we do section is because we, meaning my side of the camp, Ain't about to do this much longer. There are only two more Hoodoo Heritage Festivals. Two. Count that two. It's a really small number. Really easy to remember. Two. And then it's gone. We're going to pass the torch. All right? We're going to pass the torch. We'll have done it for 12 years. Okay? 12 years. All right? People have lived and died while we were doing this. People have been born and grown up some while we were doing this. People that were teenagers have become adults while we were doing this. So think about this a minute. Everybody's so sad about it. Everybody's like, oh, it's going to go away, blah, 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 blah. Okay, yeah, I dig why that's sad. But get up and do it. 
again, it doesn't have to be 150 people in a tent. This can be something you can do. Often on this show, people have said I take a little bit of a kind of a harsh stick towards uh, some of the neo-pagan uh, foolishness that goes on out there. I don't mean to. I mean to just call a spade a spade, but uh, maybe I have. But let me say something positive for you. Pagans got this down. They've got this shit the fuck down, okay? That structure they have of how they meet and how they greet and what they do, they have got that down, and they are succeeding from it. They are profiting from it. We can have that too. Get together with your friends. Get together with your local community. Get together in your town, your county, and just start doing little get-togethers, little meets. Uh, you can do a – we go to each other's houses, and everybody cooks dinner together, okay? can be like you know some scene out of The Big Chill, all right? You don't have to have a huge thing, and this doesn't have to be something that you have to have your power taken away from you. Meaning you are merely a participant. You must pay. You must go. You can do this too. You can do this too. You don't have to have everything like this. Listen, sci-fi people have been having conventions since, you know, as long as I've been alive, man. They do it in hotels, you know, and do it on a pretty, you know, pretty fine penny. You know what I mean? They're, they're not, it's not all a gala, all right? You can so think about this. Think about gatherings. Think about festivals. Think about symposiums. Think about conventions. Think about meet and greets. Think about dinner get-togethers where this can be spread because I guarantee you one thing. You're going to bring a lot to the table, and you're going to receive a lot at the table. I've told you before, and I'm going to tell you again, hoodoo is regionalized. And if you start putting things like this together and going to things like this, you're going to meet people from other regions. You're going to learn things that you have never thought about hoodoo. And don't feel like you're, you know, piggy left out because you're going to bring things to the table that no one else knows as well. Also, Miss Catherine Ironwood just made a wonderful suggestion, and I want to pass it on to you. You can also walk into your nearest hoodoo shop, candle store, and offer to help put things onto the shelves, heavy boxes, etc., and aid them and learn a lot. Okay, Initially, you might get brushed away because they don't know you, but you know you can aid there as well, and you'll learn so much. And it's not just about taking in. You have a lot to contribute yourselves, darlings. So think about gathering together. Think about having gatherings, festivals, symposiums, dinner get-togethers, etc. Two more years and we're gone. There are other people doing festivals. And some of them are a lot of fun. And you can go do a bunch of stuff that has nothing to do with hoodoo. And you can you know, have all sorts of drinks and things and whatnot. And I'm sure – and that's nice. But – this has to be kept alive, and I told you to keep a book for your family. Now, since you know we're talking about the community, why don't you start spreading it out a little bit? Even if you start with three friends, do you know everything your friends know? Do your friends know everything you know? Think how much stronger 
Think how much wiser. Think how much better trained. Think how much more professional you and your three friends would be if you all co-shared with each other. I cannot tell you what benefit has been given to my life by knowing people like Catherine Ironwood, Candelo Cambisa. I mean, the list goes on and on and on and on. I literally don't have enough time to name everyone. Okay? They have given me so much. I hope that I have given them a little here, a little there. Do this. Do this. Because this is what we do. Up next, we're going to go into the kitchen. This week, we're going to be talking about that very, very beautiful flower, the rose. Ramblin' Rose Ramblin' Rose Why you Tonight, it's it's being slow and then hurrying up. So what I'm going to do is 
taking a cue from Miss Aida, I am just going to throw C's famous old-time candies, heritage candy, from San Francisco at Gabrielle Swain, Candelo Cambisa, and Andrea Weston. Can't tell which one of them you did it first. It was just blah. So I'll just shower you all. There you go. Pieces of candy. Pieces of candy for the three of you. Bravo. Troll was not Johnny Mathis, but god damn, that's a good, that's a neat guess that you should bring up Johnny Mathis. Now, now I'm going to have to have Johnny Mathis on the show. So just for Troll, we're going to have some Johnny Mathis someday. Not tonight. Tonight in the kitchen, we're going to be talking about Rose. That's right. We're going to be talking about roses. A rose, as you may know, is a woody perennial flowering plant of the genus Rosa. Uh, It can also be the flower it bears. There are over a hundred species and thousands of cultivars of the rose. They form a group of plants that can be erect shrubs, climbing or trailing with stems that are often armed with sharp prickles or thorns. Flowers vary in size and shape and are usually large and showy in colors ranging from white through yellows and reds. Most species are native to Asia, with smaller numbers native to Europe, North America, and Northwestern Africa. Species, cultivars, and hybrids are all wildly, widely excuse me, grown for their beauty and their fragrance. Roses uh, range in size, the plant, I should say, ranges in size from a compact miniature roses to climbers that can reach a height of up to 23, I'm not joking here, 23 feet in height. And different species hybridize easily, and this has been used to develop a very large range of garden roses. Uh, They are, of course, a very old plant used uh, for ornamental plants, cut flowers. They have a history in perfume, as well as food and drink. Rose hips, as an example, are occasionally made into jam, jelly, marmalade, or soup. They are also brewed for tea, uh, primarily for their high vitamin C content. Uh, They are also pressed and filtered to make rose hip syrup. Uh, Rose hips are also used to produce rose hip seed oil, which is used in skin products and some makeup products. Uh, Rose water is made from them as well. Rose petals or flower buds are sometimes used to flavor ordinary tea or combined with other herbs to make herbal teas. In France, uh, there is use of rose syrup, uh, most commonly made extract of the rose petals, uh, and There are rose creams, uh, which is a traditional English confectionery um, in the UK. The rose hip is used as a minor source of vitamin C, as I mentioned before. Uh, The fruits of many species have significant levels of vitamins and have been used as a food supplement. And many roses are used in herbal and folk remedies, as well as Chinese traditional medicine. Uh, Other Species of rose have been used for stomach problems, and they are currently being investigated for controlling cancer growth. So that's a little roses, so that we have a little bit of knowledge instead of just, uh, you know, just talking about magic. In hoodoo, 
and in conjure and root work, rose buds and petals symbolize love, as well as romance, sexual attraction, and uh, of sexual relations. They draw uh, fortune in matters of the heart. Rose hips are symbols of overall luck and love formula, as well as in some luck formulas. Now, you may be asking yourself right about now, goodness gracious, me oh my, Professor Porterfield, why did you take so long to talk about the rose? Why, why now? I mean, it's so popular. It's so prevalent. It's, you know, it's everywhere. Why, why, why did you only now bring up roses? Well, I'll, I'll, you know, they're ubiquitous. Why didn't you talk about them? Well, I'll tell you why. Because I have a desire to try and pass on on the show lots of different things. I don't want to just, you know, be giving you the same things that you're already using. I don't want everybody just doing candle work with rose petals. I want to bring you this vast world and say, look at everything, look at everything. And then when we've looked at the big world, yeah, let's go talk about the stuff we're already using. But, you know, we don't need more candle work with rose petals, all right? But let's not forget the rose either. Like I say in the pontifications, let's not go to either end of that stick. Let's stray around the middle. Rose can be used in a love drawing mojo. To do this, you would carry rosebuds in a pink or red conjure bag with a few hairs of your beloved, uh, adding to this any two lucky love herbs, a small pair of lodestones, a magnetic sand, and dressing the bag with love me oil or come to me oil. Uh, you can also add, instead of a small pair of lodestones, two magnetic you can also use love as part of another love drawing mojo, which is to keep a whole Queen Elizabeth root in a red conjure bag with rose petals, lavender, red clover, damayana, and catnip, and dress it with love me oil. You can also use it for luck and protection. Unlike you know the rest of the plant, uh, which are used for love, rose hips or fruits, uh, can be used as bringers of general good fortune. And they can be dried and added to a green conjure bag uh, with pyrite and a selection of other money-drawing herbs or placed in a red flannel bag with flax seeds for protection from harm. These are just a few of the uses for rose. It's buds, it's petals. You can even use rose thorns Rose thorns have been used to drive away in pieces of work in which we are trying to drive away a rival. Um, so you have, you know, your man's around another woman a little too much, your woman's around another man a little too much. You can use the rose thorn, particularly uh, with figural candles or other things. You could bar uh, a set of dolls or a set of candles from yourself and your love, mate, partner, husband, wife, and the rival by using the clipped stem, the clipped uh, thorn-bearing stem of the rose between. And this symbolizes that your love is protected, you see. So these rose thorns, the symbol of love, is protecting, because we know it has a protective attitude, and also it's barring 
it's saying you must go away. You must stay away from my spouse, my lover, because we have true love. So these are just a few, just a few of the uses of rose, and there are many, many, many more. We would like to thank uh, Miss Catherine Ironwood for her allowance of the use of materials from the fantastic Hoodoo Herb and Root Magic, a Materia Magica of African-American Conjure, in our In the Kitchen segment, along with our own knowledge each and every week. Thank you so very much. I want to tell you something. I have had a little criticism because people have said, well, I don't like it when you do that. I don't like it when you hold back and then only get to eventually. Well, you know, there's an attitude going on here. I did the same thing before starting to talk about the use of certain endangered animals. I didn't talk about the use of those endangered animal parts in the in the kitchen segment until I had already had the pontification about ecological preservation. So there, there is a rhyme and a reason to it. Because not everyone that's ever going to listen to this show in the archives, in the future, someday when it's broadcast directly into your brain. What a frightening idea, having me broadcast directly into your brain. Is going to understand all that. Not everyone has gone down the path you have gone down. So we're trying to bring everyone up. We're trying to use one wave to lift all these beautiful ships with all these fantastic, colorful sails so that all these ships can go on together. And that being said, I have built in a few moments into the show in which I want to talk to you a little bit about this year's 2017 10th Annual Hoodoo Festival, in case you didn't get a chance to get there. Wow, you missed a great one. Don't miss the next two. They're just going to keep getting better. We're building to something. See how that, see how I, uh, see what I just did? I build the things in the show. We're building to something. See, it's a little, uh, a little follow through. Yeah, right. This year was fantastic. I want to personally thank so many people. I want to thank Catherine and Nagashiba Ironwood for all of their patience, all of their kindness, all of their hard work, and allowing us to, you know, bring in this one ring circus into their yard every year. Thank you so much. I want to thank uh, Gray Townsend and uh, Miss Phoenix for being my two best pals, wa- walking, talking, and working alongside me on everything that was needed. I want to thank all the guys on the railroad, Daniel Smith, Rocky. You guys do a terrific job. It looked great. Thanks for keeping it running on time. I want to thank all of the employees at the Lucky Mojo Curio Company and of the Missionary Independence Church, an independent spiritual church for your aid and help with this chaotic event that suddenly springs up every year around you. Thanks so much, guys. You're incredible. I want to thank the apprentices of Miss Catherine Ironwood for all their diligence, help, and patience because, you know, they were out there trying to learn something. And meanwhile, me and the gang is running running around behind them, you know, hammering up tents, right? We got all, and they're 
they're just trying to dutifully take their notes and learn something. Thanks, guys, for your patience. You're wonderful, wonderful people. I want to thank all of our presenters. Guys, you went the extra mile. I want to thank you all for coming from every corner of the world. I want you to thank you for coming out. I want you to thank all, everybody that presented, everybody that was on the panel discussion. You were all incredible. I'm proud to work with each and every one of you. I wanted to thank all of those and so many more. I want to thank the the ever-ready volunteers, just, just those guys with me, those guys and gals with me over in the volunteer boat who just show up, just show up to do stuff, you know? Uh, and, and whether it's Carol or it's Myron or whether whoever it is, I want to thank you all for just showing up and doing that extra bit that you do. I want to thank, in particular, everybody who came on Monday to help break down the circus, you know, because back into mothballs, we've got to go till the next stop, the next whistle stop on our train trip. And I want to thank, in particular, all of the people who came to the festival. You're the reason we do it. I mean, again, that sounds like a you know, kind of Hollywood cleanup thing, but I mean it. Uh, without you, it just all of us standing under a tent talking to each other in silly voices and telling jokes and whatnot uh, and have playing with bits of uh, tarantula exoskeleton and then itching all night. Thank you so much. I want to thank everyone, everyone involved. And I want to thank uh, my friend, Mr. Robin York. Thank you. Thank you, Ms. Cat so much for founders for both of you having sat down and said we've got this idea now stop me if this sounds crazy and I'm so glad that nobody stopped you and I'm so glad we're doing it it's well worth it I want to thank you thank everybody I, I want to take a moment here for two special thanks thank you so much for Troll Talhead for being in my blind spot for like an hour Every time I try, I banged my head really bad, okay? Long story short, coming out of a barn, coming down from a loft, beam, wham! Professor Porterfield meets beam, beam meets Professor Porterfield. I, cuckoo, 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 little bird. You know, and Troll followed me around for like an hour. And every time I would turn around, he was just behind me with his hands folded, smiling, that beautiful bodhisattvic smile of his, just like, hi, I'm just watching you to make sure you don't, you know, Go off the you know the rails. Thanks, Troll, so very much. I want to thank Gray Townsend for thinking that I had gone off the rails during Miss Aida's class for my head injury, and slowly he turned, step by step, inch by inch. He was making his way for the back of the tent to grab his friend and take him to the hospital when suddenly he realized it was all part of a skit. So thanks both guys. I appreciate you watching out for me. And thank everyone uh, who had uh, love and concern uh, and sagely medical advice for my leg. Thank you, Angela Marie Horner. Thank you, uh, Nurse Aida. Thank you, Dr. Myron. Uh, thank you so much for being concerned about my leg. It'll be fine. I'm okay. As Candelo Cambisa says, the ninjas failed again. So, listen, onward and upward with the arts. Here we go, and here it is. Listen right now to the sound of my voice. Ladies and gentlemen, members of AIR, friends of Missionary Independent Spiritual Church, workers, would you like to have a presentation at the 2018 11th Annual 
big number 11. Doesn't divide back down in numerology. Hoodoo Heritage Festival? If so, why not send in a letter? You can send your letters to the Now You Know Show. You can send them to me. I'll collect them and take them to the church for you. About a presentation that you might like to do, a workshop. A workshop. Let's be clear about this. It's a workshop. not just a lecture. It's a workshop that you would like to do, that you would like to guide people and see them do hands-on work with you and be guided through for the 2018 11th Annual Hoodoo Heritage Festival. Write up a proposal. Send it in. It's not too early. If you know you're going to be free next year in May, if you're willing to make yourself free next year in May, we are sending out the call right now for 2018 presenters, presenters for workshops. Let me tell you that word again, workshop, not just a lecture, a workshop. Send in your proposals now. We think we may already have lined up an opening ceremony for one of our days. Do you have an idea for an opening ceremony? Do you have an idea for something we haven't done yet? Why not send in send in a proposal for an opening ceremony? Let me say those words again. Opening ceremony for one of our days. We would love to have you, but we've got to see your proposal. Would you like to be a reader? Why not send in, in your request? We could use you. We'd be happy to have you. Come. Remember, there are only two left. Soon, the torch will be passed. Come on in. Come on in. Send in your proposal. Tell us what your workshop will be called. Tell us what the crowd will be doing for their activity in your workshop. Tell us what the topic will be about. Tell us what materials you will be needing. Tell us when you'll be doing it. For your, if you have an opening ceremony, tell us what religion or folklore or, or, or spiritual belief it covers and what you're going to cover and how you're going to do it in a field. Because you have to do the opening ceremonies in a field surrounded by 100 plus people, 130, 140 people. Send it in. Send it in. I'll collect them, take them right over to the church. Well, I'll mail them to church. I'm not going to actually fly back to California with your stuff, like locked in a briefcase, handcuffed. That'd be kind of cool. I mean, maybe I could do that. Maybe I could print it all out and put it in like an aluminum security case and handcuff it to my wrist. Man, that'd be kind of fucking neat. But the point is, send it in. Send it in because it's going to get bigger. It's going to get better. Only two left. And then, after those two, after 2019, it is the end. Ah, this is not the end. Uh, it is not even the beginning of the end. Uh, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning. And don't back to food west. I'm on down to Dallas, King Kong, Kitty. Coming through the territory in Kansas City. And Kansas City, St. Louis. And St. Louis, Chicago. I'm on my way, but I'm doing well. 
Network. Bless their heart.